Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. For my own self, Lord, that you would withhold of anything that's not of you and let this be your word spoken through me to these people at such a time as this. Lord, would it be clearly you speaking, not necessarily me, but you speaking through this word to these people here, and may that be clear today as we open up the word of God for the people of God uh, and for the the results of the resurrection. Might we lean, lean into this? Might we lean into all that God does in and through being risen and continuing resurrection on this Sunday morning? And so we do praise you and thank you, and we pray for all those requests, Lord. We think about all the requests, all, the, all of the, the, the burdens and the cares and all of the unspoken requests, even now in this place, and we bring them before your feet, and your mighty son's powerful name and proven reputation to answer prayer, church said together, amen. Just a week ago, we were gathered to uh, remember, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, his victory over sin and death, and how then he conquered the greatest enemy in life. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm coughing, and I've got that like, you know, if you've ever been, you've ever been sweating and then you take a shower, well, I feel like that with that uh, baptism. So it's like that mixture of like sweat and water right now. So just, we're just going to do it, church. We're just going to do it. Come as you are. Uh, back sweat and all, you know, let's just do it. So here we go. But anyway, um, coughing and sweat. Here we go. Um, and maybe today you've tri- triumphed over the grave and you, you've heard that story and you were here and you were, maybe you weren't here, but maybe you were and you've heard that story, triumphed over the grave. You've got, and maybe you're in the pews today and you're like, I've got mixed emotions about that. Maybe after the kind of the high of Easter, in resurrection and everything that's happening, you're asking yourself this question, well, now what? And how can this be experienced and how can Jesus be made known? Like, now what? Okay, resurrection happened. What do we do now with what we know? And maybe you've heard that message before and you're asking yourself, man, what does that difference? What is that Easter sunrise morning, that Easter story, what does it make a difference in my life? And maybe you have heard that question after the resurrection and maybe you're just going through some deep stuff. Maybe it's hard stuff. And you've heard those words, he is risen, and you, maybe you've responded to that message of Jesus, and you're like, man, what do I do now? Despite this significant event in human history, how does this event interact with what I'm going through, with what I'm doing, dealing with right now? He's risen, so now what? Like, now what? I just want to say for a moment today that as, we, that as we even consider this, that after the resurrection happened, there was just about every emotion and reaction possible for those early followers. And for those early followers of Jesus, they experienced some of the same emotions that you and I are probably experiencing right now. <coughs> there was joy and fear, according to Matthew's account. Mark says that they were trembled and bewildered. Some worshipped and some doubted, according to Matthew. John tells us that there was a lady named Mary Magdalene who was in tears. What the news, all these accounts tell us is that the, the news spread, that the gospel spread. It was such a noteworthy and significant event that it couldn't stay silent and it had to go out. 
such a big event, a noteworthy event, that the news did not stay confined. They told people about it. This was significant in that moment of time. Women were the first people to tell it. And as we gather today, many of us maybe are experiencing some of those same emotions in this place. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe fear, trembling, joy, kind of tears, all the kind of experience your life experience today, and you're absolutely, and even for those early followers of Jesus, they were devastated. They were absolutely devastated that the person that they followed <coughs> for three years is gone. You see, they had a death of faith. For those early followers, they had all these experiences of death, the death of faith, the death of their own experience of following him, the death of relationships, and the death of expectations all kind of collapsed when Jesus died. And maybe those expectations line the thoughts of your heart. Maybe your experience has not measured up to what it could be or ought to be or should be, and maybe life has just battered you down. Relationships have not gone the way that you'd hoped for. Maybe those expectations of everything, of you're just sitting in those pews and you're just shattered, and you're rethinking the countless times of those expectations that have not turned out the way that you had hoped for. You see, all of those expectations, emotions happen for those early followers on that very first Easter. And so maybe you're here and you're like, okay, well, now what? What is next? And if you're asking that question, I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad it's a good Sunday to be here. It's always a good Sunday to be here, but I'm glad you're here today. What's the next step? What happened actually after the resurrection? And you've maybe tried to put this all together and wondered, man, is there anything going to change? Like, does, does this change anything for my personal experience and the despair I'm experiencing, the doubt that I can't overcome, the relationship that needs restored, the life that I hoped for and that, that I promised God a week ago hasn't really changed much. So if you're wondering what's next, you're in good company because some 2,000 years ago, Many of those same followers wondered, the, wondered what was next. You see, when we looked at the resurrection, when what happens and what will happen even today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was deeply personal. We find that he rose and he appeared to people and he touched people personally. And maybe you are experiencing that today. Maybe the resurrection, maybe you've experienced a death, maybe you've experienced a loss of relationship, maybe you've experienced some very deep waters. I just want you to know that the resurrection is deeply personal, and it can come to you, and it comes to us with tremendous power. So as we go to the scriptures today, we're reminded that it is deeply personal, and it touches ordinary lives with great power. And so we find that across this account and today's account. Um, if you have a Bible, you can, you can open that Bible in front of you, the Pew Bible, 749. If you have a Bible, Luke 24, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and uh, the end of Luke. So Maybe if you open up your Bible like three-fourths, you can find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're the four Gospels. We're in Luke, Luke chapter 24. We're actually going to read what we read last week, which was the resurrection account. And then we're going to read 1 through 12, and then we're going to kind of move into verse 13. But I want to read 1 through 12 first to help us kind of get a, get a sense of where we're going and help get our minds to where we're going in verse 13. So um, we at this church value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. Make sure you find a church that does the same thing, preaches and teaches the scriptures faithfully. And uh, we are on, it's page, what, 749 on the Bible in front of you, and it'll be on the screen behind me as well. <coughs> this was the account. Verse 1, <clears throat> on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They had found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has what? Risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they had came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like what? Nonsense. I don't know. That's my NIV says nonsense there. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And after verse 12, it's kind of a cliffhanger until we get to verse 13. Um, Luke is going to provide this for us, and Luke's a doctor by trade, and he's writing this, and um, he gives us a time frame. Okay, so we've got, if you can kind of think, they see the tomb, that people come to the tomb, and then all of a sudden it's kind of like, okay, this happens, and then Luke provides this detail for us. Everyone say, thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Now, it says on verse 13, now at the same day, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Okay, so that very same day that Jesus rises from the dead, um, that he's risen, we find that this is on the same exact day. So this is kind of important to make note of that. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Is my microphone on? It is on? Okay. Can you guys hear me? No, you can't hear me. You can hear me. Thank you. You can. You're in the front. That's good. Well, can you hear me in the back? Okay. I love technology. I love it very much. You know, technology is a new invention, so... Uh, microphones and pianos and all these things. Those are new in the life of the world. Um, okay, so we're just going to keep going. Um, to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So the same day they were going to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Make note of that. The same day that this happened. They were talking about these, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. One might think that Jesus, now raised from the dead, would go straight to his disciples at first, but he goes to two people walking along the same road, walking away from the city as to where it happened. So you have Jesus, the risen Christ, the Son of the living God, who disarmed the power of the enemy who defeated and triumphantly defeated death and victoriously conquered the grave. And you don't have Jesus in the town square. You don't have him kind of in this town like with a megaphone on. You have him walking with two people who are downcast, who are confused. And he was drawing himself near to two people who were confused walking along a road. So notice that picture. It's like two people walking along a road. Jesus, this is the first appearance. This is where he finds himself in this walking along the road. What does it tell us about the heart of God? Is that it tells us that the heart of Jesus actually moves and draws near to people, two ordinary people who were downcast and confused and trying to make sense about what everything happened on that day. 
So we're going to pick back up in verse, I'm sorry, I'm, I know I'm kind of jumping here. We're going to pick it back up here in verse 24. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. This is Jesus saying this. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We discover how the Lord continues. So we discover how the Lord continues to show up in everyday life from the account of the Emmaus Road. This account has to do with two people, all the emotions in the world. They were downcast. They were hurting of what happened to Jesus. They were a lot of unknown and how the Lord continued to show up to them and to us. Did you notice that when he writes this lesson, he kind of writes this almost scriptural lesson. He says, he explained to them all the scriptures concerning himself. You see, the scriptures, the Bible is the living, we believe is the living word of God. And 2 Timothy 3 reminds us that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for <laughs> teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. And that's 2 Timothy 3. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and what? Active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And sometimes, church, if I could speak honestly, I, in all of us included in this, all of us, Sometimes our approach is a bit apathetic toward the scriptures. It's kind of like day in and day out. To be honest, it can be kind of routine. It can be actually not seen as God's living word just speaking directly to us right now. It can become routine. Unfortunately, even opening the scriptures in church can become routine. But what if the Spirit of God, church, what if the Spirit of God was talking and breathing life into us even now through this book? What if, church, the good news of Jesus Christ was speaking to us directly with us and through us? What if every time we opened up this book and read it, that God was present and the Spirit was moving in and through this book? Emmaus Road tells us that we ought to anticipate that next prayer meeting on Wednesday night, that next devotional at Crafters, that next passage at Youth Group, that next passage that we read at Alliance Men, you name it. The next time you grab a Bible off the shelf, maybe it's collected a little bit of dust, but maybe it's been a while, maybe you just read it today, maybe you just read it this morning, the next sermon that preacher opens up the Bible, could it be that God is really there as we open up the Word of God and God's Spirit is moving among us? Forgive us, Lord, if we have lost a sense of awe and wonder in amazement by not opening up this book as a gift and see this as a gift. Did you notice verse 27? It says this, and beginning with all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He took time, church, we're actually told he took time to take them through the scriptures and open up God's word to them, and we can still do that. And Jesus is saying that the Bible is all about the story of God. It tells and reveals about Jesus it's about God. And all the scriptures point to Jesus, including the Old Testament. And the Old Testament points to a coming Messiah that would suffer and die for us concerning Jesus. Did not the Messiah, in verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his 
glory. Why is that important? Because the Bible, and it should all lead us, to all lead us to the one who is able to lead us into life and life eternal. All the scriptures lead us to believe in the one true living God. It should lead us into a deeper understanding and belief and trust in following Jesus. And vital in this important lesson, when Jesus opens up this Bible lesson, is drawing near to the person of Christ. Verses 25 and 26, that response. Did you notice that, what Jesus gives? Suffer and enter his glory. And then Luke gives us this one line into the greatest sermon ever told. The greatest sermon ever told. He says he explained all all the scriptures concerning himself. He took time to explain all the scriptures that he himself was the Messiah and his source of his own experience as the Messiah. We must submit, church, to Allow the Word of God to become part of us, to allow it to become in us, and so that it moves in us, and then it breathes out of us. The two on the road to Emmaus did not recognize Him. The Word of God reveals to us who Jesus is, what He's done for us, what He's done through us, and what He is doing in us. All of the things, all of the Bible, all of what Jesus did, and see, all of what He did was for you and for me. In the land of the Bible, in the day... (coughs) (laughs) stays in the land of the Bible. Honor and shame were major factors. And who you were and the honor that you brought yourself or to your family was crucial in social life in the Bible. And the way Jesus suffered went completely against what many people were expecting the Messiah to do. Perhaps they were expecting someone to cut off the head of Caesar or overthrow the Romans or get rid of them. But Jesus, as the Messiah, took on all the beatings and all the ridicule and all the muck and the spitting and the insults and the pain and the devastation and the torment and the muck, and he chose you and chose me. And he chose us. And he chose us. And he put himself on the cross, even with the hands of those who declared him guilty and placed him on the cross. And that's the Messiah. That was not Caesar at that point. Might we be, church, Might we gaze toward the one and might we look toward the one worthy of our worship and give less worship toward things that just don't really matter in the end? Too much of us, too much of us, myself included, give worship to things that just are not going to matter in the end. Might we be the kind of church centered around the scriptures, around the word of God, around the work of Christ, and be about all about pointing people back to him and his life and his death and his suffering and his resurrection? There is, there is tremendous power when the scriptures are opened and when God's word is proclaimed and read and sought after. Amen? The Emmaus Road Church is this. There's a reminder here that the Christ is active and present even when it feels like that he is not. They couldn't recognize him at this point. But it's a reminder that Christ is active and present, even when it feels like he is not. Two confused and disappointed people walked along that road out of Jerusalem, and they wondered what had happened. And the Lord met them very, very personally. And in that moment, in their grief, you see the resurrection of Jesus is ongoing. And the result of the resurrection is that his spirit lives on. And he's at work in and through ordinary, ordinary circumstances, ordinary conversations. Picking up in verse 28, it says this. As they approached to the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread 
gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then, and only then, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts what? Burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened along the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You see, could it be, church, could it be that Jesus gets overlooked in life's everyday happenings? What do I mean? Jesus doesn't appear in this conversation that these two people are. He's there, but he doesn't appear. He doesn't reveal himself right from the get-go from this conversation. The Messiah finds two disappointed and confused doubters walking along the road and walking around the road together. It's then and only then he fully reveals himself when he gets into their home and breaks bread and sits down and has a meal with them. It's kind of like when the plates get messy at home, when the kids throw food at each other, when you know how it goes, when, some, when the toddler doesn't want the temper tantrum and doesn't want the food that you just cooked, right? When the plates get messy, when the food gets thrown at each other, when the baby screams and throws the food back at you, and in the midst of those conversations, in the midst of that, Jesus meets us in those, and ordinary moments in everyday life. The notice where Jesus fully reveals himself, it's around a table, breaking bread with one another. Just a couple days ago, I had a conversation with someone who had visited the Holy Land and been to Israel, and um, it's a place where you certainly feel a certain way if you have ever had the chance to go and visit uh, the Holy Land. Quite breathtaking. But better than that is Jesus walking with us now in the very ordinary, mundane parts of life. Very ordinary, mundane parts of life. And while I felt a sense of awe and wonder there as well, and if you're able to go, please go, for sure, please go if you're able to go. But the same Jesus is also with you and I right now in the midst of this very, very ordinary Sunday. Let's never neglect the gathering for worship on Sunday mornings. He's also with us at Pizza Joe's, 1 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon when you meet somebody for lunch. He's with you, Scotland Meadows late night drive, the sunset in Newcastle Airport. <laughs> in the midst of this all, around this table, in the midst of two confused doubters and strangers, in the midst of a conversation about the scriptures, all these questions about why and how Jesus makes himself known in the midst of a table, around a table where he breaks bread. This is my prayer, and this is the hope of this, of this account, that we need a greater sense of expectation from God each day that Jesus will show himself up to us. We serve a risen Savior and a living God who has promised that he is with us. He is next to us. He is interceding for us. And I'm just wondering, church, if we have lost a little bit of that flavor in a world that's been utterly consumed with the iPhone, Android, Facebook, Instagram, things that we can see really quickly in a moment's notice. We have ruthlessly hurried our way through life, and may God give us the eyes to see him, to move in our neighborhoods and streets and communities and neighbors. God, give us the eyes to see what you're doing in our classrooms, businesses, and gymnasiums. 
as we learn to live and walk in through our neighborhoods and streets, might we sense that expectation that Christ is present? How we have that expectation that when we drive around our town, that Jesus is working and he's alive and he's present and he's working in those places. Maybe it's at the baseball field. Maybe for you, you're sitting around and you've got some parents around and you've got this expectation like, may God show himself in those ordinary moments in life. And Christ working in those very mundane places which can seem or we cannot recognize him fully, but we know he's there and he's alive and he's living and active. And God is really on the move, church. That because he has risen from the dead, his spirit lives on and God's ways are higher than our ways. And there are ways in which God is working in which we cannot see. And we ought to take heart in that. So what does it look like to reach people? If you're like here today, you're like reaching people who are far from God. This is a couple things we learned from this from Emmaus. Never underestimate the power of striking up a conversation with somebody. And never underestimate hospitality. In much of our conversations, when we talk about the word evangelism and reaching more people and seeing the heart of God by seeking the lost, always begin by a simple conversation with somebody. Begin to take interest in someone's life by way of conversation. God works in and through taking interest in someone else's life. Jesus himself was criticized across his ministry for eating with tax collectors and sinners himself. Luke 19.10, now salvation has come to this house for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. In Luke 15 verse 2, that this man receives sinners and eats with them. And Jesus stresses this point that we ought to do the same. <laughs> that we ought to do the same. So this is Emmaus. Another little point here of Emmaus. Lord, have us see the city of Newcastle through your eyes. Have us see those maybe that we perhaps have a tough or maybe had a rough time with or our neighbors or what have you through the eyes of the resurrection. Lord, you defeated death and defeated the grave and you reigned victoriously the Lord has not neglected Newcastle, nor any of our towns. God, you reign above your throne, and you live and work and move, and you still work in and through among us for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of new life being birthed in Christ. The resurrection is proof, church, that God wants to do this through in, in your life and through those who have no idea who he is yet. Jesus overcame death, and resurrection power still works itself out through the Holy Spirit through Christians, just like ordinary Christians gathered here on the west end of Newcastle today. All of the host of resurrection history now makes itself known, not necessarily through Emmaus, but on West Washington Street and Smithfield Street and Wilmington Road and Shenango Road, so to speak, Grove Avenue, Scotland Avenue, I'm praying for a recognition of the Holy Spirit in the midst of our circles because you've got it and I've got it in us, the Spirit of God in us. We are the living and breathing, moving, real, tangible presence of God here on earth by His Spirit. May we see it through His eyes. Sinclair Ferguson is an author. says, says, even as you have this story of Jesus walking them through all of the prophets, all of the Old Testament, this Bible lesson about all that He has done, that what he is doing here is he's taking people that are unbelieving and sad and discouraged and rebellious sinners and he's taking them from brokenness 
and discouragement to joy and hope. And that's what the scriptures do. They bring us to that, to the person of Jesus. But that's how God draws us. And he's moving people from brokenness to joy. And you see that across Emmaus Road. And you see that across from this story. And might we do the same with other people? And it's also a progression. That sometimes it's a progression. And that's what happens on Emmaus Road. You see, he doesn't fully fully reveal himself until the end. And might we, church, have the patience and perseverance to serve well, to be faithful, to be fervent in prayer for those. And might we not give up on people so easily? Emmaus, another little point here is that God can be encountered in everyday conversation, commonplace everyday conversation, and that is good news, church. It reminds me of a story I read one time that after a, a minister, after about 20 years, realized that she wanted to do something different. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 days a year, she had interacted with strictly church people. And it started to make her feel alienated from those on the journey of life outside the church. So she took a three-month sabbatical and got a job at a hostess at a Waffle House. And she says of her time there, the risen Christ showed up every day. The risen Christ showed up in a mechanic who, bro- who fixed a broke- broken traveler's van for the price of a cup of coffee. The risen Christ showed up in a landlord who drove an hour and 15 minutes to pick up a stranded tenant he didn't know particularly well. The risen Christ showed up in a lawyer who came every day to the Waffle House to meet clients who could not afford the fees charged by his firm, and he never turned anybody away. There were more, each of them, people taking their own lives and blessing them with their willingness to serve other human beings, breaking them open for the sake of someone else and then giving them away. The risen Christ, here and now, in the present tense. In the present tense. And I imagine there's more of those stories that we've got in our town. Did you notice this response? Were not the scriptures burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Do we long for God, the things of God, to burn within us? Do we long for God's word to be read and change us? Do we long for the things of God to be a part of our everyday life, longing for God's power and for our hearts to burn for him? God, create in me and stir in me a heart for what you're about. Maybe the fire's gone out. Maybe it needs rekindled. Maybe the fire's just completely dry. We're promised that when God's word is opened, our hearts can have a burning for the things of God again. And we're told when they head back toward Jerusalem, they changed course and they quickly ran back to Jerusalem. Did you notice that? They turned up, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And they headed back. They could not help but tell the greatest story that they had ever witnessed. And I imagine that would have been some life-changing news that your friend who had just, all the scriptures, the Messiah, had just been raised from the dead. (laughs) The greatest story ever told, church, and we have that. Might our hearts burn for that, for the message of life and hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Emmaus, that those folks told of what God has done. And notice that that meal was happening right at sundown. They took that road back to Jerusalem in the middle of the night in a time period where robbery and thievery were at an all-time high, very common in that day. didn't matter to them. They were going to go back to Jerusalem. And in that moment, they receive the word. They break bread. Christ is revealed. They can't help, but they, they have that heart burn within them to go back and to tell other people. Their experience was flipped because they saw the risen Christ. Everything had changed because of that day. First Peter reminds us this, that praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
in his great mercy. He has given us a new birth. This is for all of us who have experienced, through all of us who call upon the name of the Lord, and all of us can have this resurrection experience and resurrection hope and newness of life because of the resurrection. In his great mercy, he has given us into a new birth, into a living what? Hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You see this, church, this is this main idea today. Our daily, ordinary lives can be and are touched by the risen Christ to offer us hope. And then we can extend that hope to other people. And it can be very ordinary, very everyday conversations that our ordinary lives can be touched by the risen Christ to offer us hope. I know this church, that there's a lot of people lacking hope. And maybe that's you. I know this too. That there is a God who rose from the dead, whose spirit is alive, who can give you newness of life, who can resurrect you, can resurrect this maybe the even your old self and give you a new heart and a new and a new life and a new beginning forever you are and that opportunity is available to you and it's a free gift because of Emmaus we're reminded that the risen Christ touches and moves and moves among us and God I pray for our church that we would see the city and our neighborhoods through your eyes help us to see this city through the lens of the resurrection and what God is doing and what God continues to do through new creation. Amen? Amen. Worship, will you come up as we sing this song together? If you'll join me in prayer and um, you'll join me in prayer together. I'm not sure if the, mute, the amplifier or whatever, we'll just, we'll sing anyway, right? Okay. Um, let's join me in prayer if you would join the if you'll join me father we come before you even now and your word speaks to us and maybe it's spoken here to somebody lord help us to have hearts burn for you lord help us to see people through your resurrection lens through new life through new birth lord you are at work and help us to join you in whatever work that you're doing because you are good and you're God and you're on your throne and hope is available to us all. There is hope that on the third day that you rose again, that experience is for us too. That you give us life and life eternal. And thank you that you give us hope for now and for eternity and that we can walk out of here in newness of life and we can walk out of here different. In your son's mighty and strong name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand with us, if you're able. <laughs>